You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame athletics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode, we are providing you with a recruiting update, one class of 21 and another from class of 22 commitments heading to the Fighting Irish. And then we're going to wrap up today's episode with a preview of Saturday's basketball contest against Kentucky. Before we get into it, though, folks, I am Joe DeLeon, former college long snapper at the University of Rhode Island, joined by Ryan Roberts, who is the director of scouting at NFL Draft Bible. So this Friday episode, Ryan, ends up being a bit recruiting heavy, which is a fun way to go about it when you don't have a game coming up on Saturday. It's interesting that every time that we have a buy, I guess this is a you know a quote buy here for for the football team. They tend to completely sweep the floor with recruiting. The first guy that they get, three star outside linebacker. I'm about to butcher this, folks. Devin Opai, I think that's what you said it was, Ryan. Uh, three star outside linebacker, six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds from Oxnard, California. This comes after flipping from UCLA. So Ryan. Another big get as they add to their arsenal of defensive pieces. Yeah, and uh, Devin Opai, I, I think that's – I'm almost 100% um, on that pronunciation. I heard uh, Mike Singer and the guys over there at BGI pronounce it. I, I think it's right. If it's not, don't hold me to it too much. When we're looking at a guy like Devin Opai, this is a big get for Notre Dame. They're going to look at the rankings and see he's only listed as a three-star, but we need the context behind a guy like him – from Oxnard, California, California did not play high school football. So the rise of a player like a Devin Opai maybe would tr- traditionally have with this type of upside was not to the degree this year, was not possible with limited ability to showcase his talents. And we're looking at him listed as a three-star outside linebacker. He's going to fit into that drop-end position, which we saw guys like Romeo, um, sorry, Julian Aquara play a couple years ago, what Adio Gandiji's playing now. It's like a weak side defensive end who has the ability to drop into coverage. He's got to be kind of a, a tweener player to a degree, have to be a little bit outside linebacker, have to be a little bit defensive end. But when you flip on the film for this kid, it's not hard to see why teams are so excited about him, why Notre Dame is so excited about him, because he's a legit six foot four, six foot five, long, super athletic kid who is not filled into his body at all. But when you look at a projectability to a kid, this guy I think could easily hold 250-plus pounds. He is super long, super athletic. He's that traditional speed-rushing defensive end who's extremely flexible, can do some versatile things. When you pop on the film of him in high school right now, the majority of his reps are as a pass rusher, as an edge rusher. So he is going to bring some dynamic elements to this pass rush in the future for a team that last year lost Khalid Kareem, lost Julian Aquar. This year you're going to be losing Adi Ogandiji. You're going to lose Dalen Hayes. For a team that is going to be reloading in the near future, I don't know if it's going to be in 2021 we see the best of Devin Opai, but this is a much-needed boost in athleticism at the defensive end position, a position over the last couple of years that Notre Dame has solidified into one of the strengths of their program. 
You pointed out how California did not play this this fall. And honestly, I would consider Opie being one of those kids who missed out on the opportunity to increase his star rating. That's not a guarantee, but just seeing what he does on on tape because he didn't get to play, he was locked into where he was slotted at. There's going to be a lot of guys, and if you talk to a lot of recruiting experts, there's going to be a ton of guys that are going to end up being three-star, maybe even two-star or no-star recruits that maybe could have turned themselves into four-star recruits just because they didn't have that opportunity to play. So Opai possibly has that potential, and one of the things that you talked about, Ryan, that really stands out to me is I do see a guy that has a lot of length, and I'm really focused on the fact that he looks thin, really thin for about 215, 220, which is fantastic. That That's a really good sign because that means he's got a ton of room on his frame to maybe get over 250 pounds and fill into that, that stand-up outside rusher that you're saying he should turn into, which is primarily what he played um, in, in high school. I mean, he, he looked a little bit like Julian Aquara when he was coming out of high school because you popped on the film of Aquara when he was coming out and he was – Six four plus, and he was probably only about two hundred and ten pounds at that point. Similar stature to a guy like Devin Opai. Now, I'm not predicting that he's going to be to the degree of a Julian Aquara, but like, what gets you excited? And this is speaking from an NFL draft, um, NFL draft analyst and scout is the projectability to this because this is like a rookie coming in. You know, you could see a couple years down the line, what, and you can imagine and you can picture what this player could be. I think Devin Opai is a really nice get so close to signing day and a player that I think firmly has his best football in front of him. And I can't wait because we've seen some wonders in that Notre Dame strength and conditioning program over the last few years. I am excited to see what he looks like in a couple years with that that college weight weight um, staff helping him out, that, that consistency in the weight room, and then obviously the nutrition factor as well. I think the, be- the best – the best is yet to come from Devin Opai, and I'm really excited to see what happens with him. Yeah, that's one of those things where I see a guy that's light and still plays really well and almost plays bigger than he is. I get excited when he's made that decision to come play for Notre Dame because of the strength and conditioning program that Notre Dame has. Ryan, I don't know about you, but I've actually been inside of that Notre Dame weight room, and it is easily top 10 in the country in terms of the quality of the facility. The Goog is one of the top sports uh, college facilities for strength and conditioning and practice and and all of that stuff in colleges for a very good reason. So, uh, you know, a guy like him and the second guy that we're going to bring up very soon in the second segment, I, I'm excited to see how they turn out because they're going to bulk up. They're Very rarely do you see guys show up to Notre Dame and not get to their goal weight, which should be for his case. Opie should be trying to get to 255, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's really – especially on the defensive line, and then we're going to be talking about offensive line in a couple minutes. For those positions specifically, there's not a ton of players that are usually ready to play as freshmen at those positions because those are the guys usually that have a ton of length that have not fully filled into their body. So the projectability, again, that is a big conversation with a guy like Opie and the, and the next young man that we're going to talk about in a couple minutes is you're you're betting on him what he's going to be a couple years from now, not right now. There's no finished products to high school recruiting and especially to offensive and defensive line. Those guys are going to go through a massive transformation a couple years uh, from now. Think of guys like, again, Alquar coming out. Mike McGlinchey was about 250, 260 pounds coming out of high school uh, and then obviously bulked up to what he ended up being 
you rarely ever see those positions specifically being finished products and ready to play day one in college football. Coming up, we are going to discuss the 2022 offensive tackle that has committed to play for the University of Notre Dame. Before we get to that, though, folks, I'm going to talk about my favorite beer out there on the market. Ryan was clowning on me earlier because I'm such a fan of Coors Light. I'm just kidding. Ryan wasn't giving me a hard time. Uh, Coors Light, though, my favorite beer. And with all these strange hours that I work today, we're recording at a not-so-typical time Things are constantly changing when you're working in the media, and, and you know that being a perfect perfect example. That being said, I always need some way to hit hit that reset button. I always need a way to relax at the end of the week when it comes to Friday and Saturday. My way of doing that is grabbing a Coors Light and sitting back and hanging with my friends. Do you ever feel like you're always on? I know that I do from time to time. What do you need to do when you want to chill? How do you like to hit that reset button? and get ready for what's next. And as I said, my go-to choice is drinking a Coors Light and especially watching football. Watching football is therapeutic for fans and it is uninterrupted me time, an excuse to chill and drink beer. With minimal college football teams playing this year, Coors Light wants fans to know that there are still plenty of teams and sports out there that will allow them to relax and enjoy a beer. Coors Light is the only beer Oh, sorry, is the official beer of watching any sport or team just to drink beer. Coors Light is the only one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, Ryan. Let's get into breaking down this next prospect before we do, though. Monday, make sure you stay tuned for our breakdown of the Kentucky basketball game. We're going to fill you in on everything you need to know and anything that you might have missed if you didn't catch the game and the performance by the Fighting Irish. So this this next commitment for a 2022 offensive tackle Ty Chan out of Groton, Mass, 6'5", 265, is another interesting name added to the group. There's been so many offensive lineman commits over the past two years, and or sorry, two classes rather, the 2021 and the 2022. It's almost one of those things that's super odd seeing because there's only five starting spots on the offensive line. How, how many guys are going to come here and, and try to get onto the field and maybe not get that opportunity to do so. But Ty Chan is an interesting prospect being thrown into the mix. And it's what Notre Dame does. If Notre Dame does anything from an NFL draft perspective to professional football perspective in general, they put out quality offensive linemen, it seems, year in and year out at this point. And to your point, this is not a kid, again, kind of like what we were talking about with Devin Upau, is he, he's not going to step in in 2021 college football season, or sorry, 2022 when he finally gets here. Sorry, he's a young pup. He's only a junior. When he gets here, he's not going to be a guy that's probably going to step in from day one because we have seen what happens specifically at offensive tackle. Guys like Mike McGlinchey, who are developmental pieces that end up growing into their body and become dominant football players. Liam Eichenberg did not play until his third year on campus. This is not a trend where guys just come in as freshmen, are three- to four-year starters, and then they leave. If they are three-year starters, it's usually a couple years in and they become fifth-year seniors because it's just, again, that development that needs to happen at the offensive line position. And we're talking about a guy like Ty Chan. 
a big-time recruit right now to get the 2022 class continuing to go in the right direction because they've already gotten some really nice recruits. Like you said, over the last couple years, specifically for 2021, got guys like Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler. That offensive line group is in good hands. 2022 looks like it's off to a great start as far as offensive line recruiting. Ty Chan is listed at six foot five, 265 pounds, 275 pounds, depending on what recruiting site you're looking at. And when you pop on the film, you see a long athletic kid who, again, is not filled in. He's all levers right now, but what he has from a baseline perspective of traits, you can absolutely build on. There is something special here, potentially like Ty Chan. He could play, I think, right tackle, left tackle. I think that he could potentially um, you know, project to a couple of different spots because how talented he is. Top 200 kid in the country right now already. Could be a big riser as he continues to fill out that frame. Another huge get for Notre Dame, which in the last few seasons has produced NFL offensive line talent as good as anybody in the country. Whether you're talking about Iowa, Wisconsin, they are right in that conversation. Heck, I'd argue that they're justifiably at the top. They consistently put out NFL quality offensive linemen, but I was I was watching Chan's uh, Twitter. I was going through his Twitter, and he posted a couple of videos of him doing box jumps, and that kid is in fantastic shape for an offensive lineman. Sometimes these offensive line recruits are, are fat and sloppy, I'm not trying to knock them, but that's just the truth. Some of these kids are just really big kids because they're as soon as they start playing peewee football, it's the, usually the chunky kids that they ask to play offensive line. I was one of those kids, and then I stopped growing. I got stuck at five foot ten. That's how I ended up being a long snapper. But you usually get these big, big, fat kids that don't really have a lot of muscle to them. Ty Chan's lean. He's lean as hell. I think that you could realistically get him up to 285 without having to put fat on this on his frame, and then maybe you you know you take him to McDonald's a couple times a week with the rest of the boys and get him up to that 300 pound mark you like to see with a Division One offensive lineman. But Chan, I, I think that he's a pretty good athlete. I was excited when I was seeing in his highlight tape that he put a lot of stuff of him playing defensive end. Now he's like a uh, like a five two forty guy according to something he posted on Twitter. So he's not that fast. But, I mean, the guy moves. The guy moves pretty well. He moves like an athlete. It's not like a, like you see sometimes with these gigantic kids playing defensive line because they're just the biggest kid on the team where they just stand up and, and get stuck. He plays like he, he is his size. He plays like a, a grown man. He's not going to be playing defensive end at, at Notre Dame. That projection's not going to happen. But it's interesting to see that correlation and him being able to move like an athlete, not just be a, a gigantic offensive lineman. I feel like we get a couple different body types when we're talking about offensive line recruiting in general. Like we just saw this year with a Blake Fisher, right? Like Blake Fisher's listed at six foot five, six six, three hundred and thirty pounds for a guy like him. And he's not really sloppy, but like a guy like him, you might you might want to take a little weight off and then build him back up with muscle, the kind of thing. For a guy like Ty Chan and you know the Mike McGlinchey's of the world again and, and um those guys, Ronnie Stanley was even like a slim guy coming in. Like those guys, you want to build upon what they already have. You don't need them to cut. You need them to just gain. So for this kid, again, just like Devin Oypal, like the best football is clearly in the in the uh, in the forefront for a guy like Ty Chan. His best football has not been seen. Plays both sides of the football, like you said already. Wait, I'm really excited to see him not only physically develop, but then to really focus on one side of the football. Because that's one thing that people don't talk too much about recruiting sometimes, is most of these guys that are these high-ranked players 
play both sides of the football, depending on what their classification is, because, hey, they're just the best football player on the field at all times. So with the ability to really you know, focus on one position and grow into your body, Ty Chan could be one of the next in line of great offensive linemen at Notre Dame. He has that type of upside. The only thing I will chime in, and I don't think that – this should be a, a you know a knock on on Ty, but it is a little bit hard to truly project somebody coming from Massachusetts. I played with a lot of guys that were from Massachusetts, and I also went were, were in classes with regular students that played high school football in Massachusetts. And there is a serious downgrade. Heck, I, I played with with Kyle Murphy, who is now with the New York Giants, and he you know he's one of the few kids that that has to deal with that stigma. He was. He was telling me that he didn't get enough as many offers as he as he thought he was going to just because recruiting tends to not really go through Massachusetts because a lot of times you're getting a lot of smaller athletes there's usually a lot less quality athletes so you have to be a tiny bit wary of possibly bringing in a guy who might take a little bit longer to develop it's just the case with recruiting guys that are coming out of some of these New England states and and you do tend to put out some good guys like Hunter Long from Boston College he's from New Hampshire there, there's guys that come out of Connecticut and sometimes Rhode Island. Quiddy pays from Rhode Island. But those guys right. usually take like a, an extra year or two to develop because the, the competition they're facing is usually not as good as some of these like schools in Texas or California or New Jersey. Well, I, I mean, it's a great point, Joe, because like even the even Notre Dame's taking a Rhode Island kid this year, Jason Anye, the, the defensive end. And it is, I mean, it, honestly, like I coached high school football here in New Jersey that was group one football, which is the lowest of the low. So like sometimes you would get a guy like a Taj Harris from Palmyra or Kelvin Harmon that played at Palmyra with him as well, where were they very good athletes? They absolutely were, but like they were playing against a lot of kids that were never going to play division three football, let alone right. football on a high level. Like I completely get for, for a guy like Ty Chan though, what gets you excited and what kind of transcends maybe the level of competition that he plays against in Massachusetts is you have to look at the traits. You know, you mm-hmm. can't teach the length and athleticism that he has for a man of his size. Like, there is some definitely building blocks to work work with, and that's why I, I would still, uh, you know, contend that he's not going to be a guy, again, because I keep, like, reiterating this, he's not going to be a guy that's going to play day one. His, he is a developmental offensive tackle despite being a top 200 player in the country because physically he's not there yet. Like you said, the classifi- classification of football that he plays in Massachusetts probably isn't the best and he's going to have to really get acclimated to how fast the speed is going to be. So that definitely is a concern. For me, the best way to get around that is, hey, if I'm going to take a guy that might not play the against the best high school competition, I'm going to take a guy that has that upside and has those traits that I can build off of. In a few minutes, we will preview the Kentucky matchup coming up on Saturday. Before we get to that, Ryan, why don't you share a message to our listeners from one of our great sponsors. Well, earlier in the show, you heard Joe complaining about, you know, just all these walls that get built up every day on him. You know, he's got a really tough schedule. Well, I'm going to tell you about <laughs> Built Go, which makes you the best you at whatever you do. Break through your wall, whether it's a mental or a physical wall, you can break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in one and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation of your life your golf bag to power through the back nine, or you can just put in your back pocket or your glove compartment to get you through the rest of the day. Bilko is the best workout gel on the market. It's five-hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural, so it's even better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine 
and still these amazing results. Comes in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter, honey, chocolate coconut, and my personal favorite, chocolate mint. Bilco combines energy gel and collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into your system faster, plus it's easy on the stomach. Bilco is loaded with good stuff to ignite my work, including beta-alamine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine for the finish. Bilco then kicks in during the day to keep me going strong. Collagen Pro promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better while making you perform better. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's all capital LOCKED. And you'll get 20% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Folks, if you aren't doing so already, hit that subscribe button just so you can stay up to date on all of our latest content here on the Locked on Irish podcast. Also, Friday, uh, if you're looking for something else to tune into on the Locked on NFL podcast, if you're looking for the best bets heading into Sunday's NFL action, listen to Locked on NFL every Friday as your boy Q and Bo Rock are joined by a betting expert and analyst from the Action Network. Get your full weekend preview and Sunday six-pack of winning bets every Friday on Locked on NFL. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan, time to talk some basketball, and hopefully we are not disappointed again this weekend as they're facing off against Kentucky in basketball. This game is going to be actually a midday game on CBS at 12 p.m. So we're bumping out <laughs> some college football for this basketball matchup against Kentucky. One in three right now on the year. Their loss is coming to Kansas, Richmond, and Georgia Tech. So this is, Ryan, right now, this looks like a really good opportunity to knock off a, a talented yet struggling Kentucky team. It does. And if you would have told me at this point that Kentucky would be one and three with the talent they brought in, you know, these freshmen specifically, Brandon Boston Jr., Isaiah Jackson, uh, Terrence Clark, like there's so many talented young guys on this Kentucky team, a couple of them being five-star recruits. I would not have imagined this tough of a start because obviously they, you know, handled the uh, perennial power Moorhead State 81 to 45 to start the year, but then they had a tough one against Richmond, a close one against Kansas. So you're like, okay, maybe they're right in the ship. And then they have a 17-point loss to Georgia Tech. So I'm left looking at this team with all this talent who is really struggling. And I'm just trying to figure out what their identity is. Because I feel like every year, and maybe not to the high, as high a degree over the last couple, John Calipari, who's one of the best coaches in all of college basketball, he gets these big-time recruits, gets them to come to him, and then, you know, they might be one-and-done players, but, hey, that one year is a pretty significant one. 20, 30 wins, NCAA tournament, you know, maybe a national championship. Like, he's done this stuff consistently during his tenure at Kentucky. But for whatever reason, right now, they're having some early season struggles. So, it being early in the season with all these five stars maybe still getting acclimated, this might be the right time. If Notre Dame's going to beat Kentucky – it might be early in the season. It might be right now in this very odd season to catch them early. This Kentucky team is a little odd to evaluate, but it has a similar trend when we see Kentucky teams struggling. You know that they're always going 
to recruit well, which means you're going to have multiple five stars, multiple four star uh, recruits on your roster. Very rarely will you dip lower than a four star recruit just because of how deep they're able to get these guys and how many guys they're able to get that are, are just so talented. Right now, they're only shooting 25% from three, which actually makes a ton of sense because they tend to recruit athletes. This is a team that is going to be significantly more athletic than Notre Dame's team. So what that means, they're going to rely on fast break opportunities. They're going to try and get to the bu- uh, get to the hoop. They're going to try and drive. They're not going to rely on a lot of jump shots because that is just not their strong suit. And that's honestly what you see with a lot of freshmen. It's something that you also see with with guys that go into the NBA in their first year. A lot of times, these guys really struggle when it comes to shooting, and it usually takes them a few years to figure that stuff out because when they were playing AAU in high school, they were so reliant on their speed, their athleticism, um, you know, their their jumping ability, all that stuff. They were so reliant on that that they didn't focus as much on their jump shot. So that's right now what we're seeing with Kentucky, and I would argue for a veteran well-coached defensive team, and, and as much as I'm not a fan of Juwan Durham, you need him to start this game because he needs to play down low in the post and play the, the post defense that we're used to seeing, blocking shots, not allowing any easy layups coming to the rack. They need to force them to take jump shots and shoot threes. That I think if you close down the middle of, of, of the court and push everything outside, you have a legitimate shot of slowing down this Wildcat team. Man, I think we need to take a, a drink every time Joe says something negative about Juwan Dorham. My God, I'm sorry that I well, I'm sorry that I've been disappointed by the one six foot eleven guy on the roster kidding. who hasn't done anything. I know you are, but it pisses me off. You know what I would do what? if I was six foot eleven, Ryan? Not, not be good at basketball still, or? probably. Oh. <laughs> I, I mean. I think one great point that you made, though, Joe, is usually players that come in with this high regard were, again, the most athletic players at all points playing uh, playing high school basketball. We've talked about it with Ty Chan probably just being absolutely the best player at all times in his you know in his um, classification over there in Massachusetts. These guys like Boston, Clark, and Jackson, like they are just been the best players. So their game usually needs to develop their jump shot, the the uh, technical aspects of basketball, like those things need, usually need to really develop. And I, th- I tell you another thing that needs to develop, and, and you know, this is an honest a, a, a opinion here, because Notre Dame, they aren't the biggest team in the world, but what they are, like Juwan Dorm looks the part, you know, like he's a, he's a well-built guy. They have a couple of guys that are well-built. Like their best rebounder on this Kentucky team is Isaiah Jackson, who although is 6'10", 6'11", He's only listed about 200, 205 pounds. He's not physically Yuck. developed yet. Mm. He's not a guy that you're going to look at and say, that is a dominant underneath presence. He is winning off of being a better athlete and just having that length. This could be a game where Juwan Dorm, with his you know a thicker build guy, can give this star freshman some some tough uh, tough chances down low. Like he can, he can put him into some bad situations. I think that Notre Dame really needs to dominate inside in this game. They need to be able to space the floor, keep these freshmen, these these underclassmen really moving and guessing and being uncomfortable. Get them, get the lead early on this team because we've seen already this is not a Kentucky team that is going to be able to shoot well enough from outside to maybe cut leads quickly. They're a team that is kind of going to have to be kind of like a slow burn type of offensive approach athletically. 
Notre Dame needs to get off to a good start here. They really need to assert their dominance down low. And I think that they, again, have a good opportunity to potentially pull this a little bit of, I don't know if you would call it an upset because it's 1-3 and three versus 1-2, and two, but traditional sense, Kentucky-Notre Dame pulling an upset right. over Kentucky is a pretty big upset in basketball, obviously. I want to hit on something that you brought up with talking about how this is such a young roster. You need to come out aggressive. You need to come out attacking more than usual because with any young team that's currently doubting themselves, they, you come to Kentucky and you're one in three out the gate after four games, you're 100% going to be doubting what you can do as a team. You, did you make the right decision coming to Kentucky? Are, are you guys playing together well enough? I'm sure that there's also some bickering going on in the locker room for a bunch of guys that come into a, a program like that trying to be the alpha dog. That's usually one of the key things why there's there's problems and why teams aren't winning that have the talent is that they're not cohesively gelling together. I don't know if that's the reason why, but it's something that you can you can certainly point to. You need to jump on them early and let an immature group of freshmen fall apart together while you you as your veteran group stay together, stay cohesive and you know and just straight up jump on them. And there's two teams that win in college basketball. One are the Kentuckys of the world that have all these incredible athletes, these five-star recruits, these guys are going to be drafted in the lottery, these, you know, superstars. And then there's teams, and Notre Dame is not in this classification. I'm just using this as an example, like a Gonzaga, who never have these underclassmen that are superstars, but they develop their players. And by the time they're juniors or seniors, they're gelling. They know everybody that they're playing with, and they are all equally very solid basketball players. Notre Dame needs to show that this development that they've had under Coach Breyer over the last couple years with guys like Dorham and the rest of them, like they need to show Prentice Hub, like those guys, Cormac Ryan, they need to show that that glue that they have together, they understand the strengths and weaknesses of each other, and they need to be able to take advantage of a young and impressionable team. All right, folks, that is going to be it from us on today's show. You can tune into that game, 12 o'clock Eastern time on CBS. Uh, stay tuned on Monday as we will be recapping that game. Also, folks, please go follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon, at Rise and Draft for Ryan. Also, please go hit that subscribe button if you enjoy listening to us thus far and provide us with some feedback in the reviews. Lastly, if you're looking for something else to tune into right now, head on over to Locked on NFL for some betting tips. We'll talk to you on Monday, folks. Enjoy the, the rest of your day and enjoy your weekend.